This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hey, this is Jeff Reed, and you are listening to SteelerNation.com podcast. Steeler Nation and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host G Striker and still with me my undefeated co-host from Pittsburgh Hunter Homestack. How you doing Hunter? I like the the champion intro always gets me hyped. I appreciate that man. (laughs) Being an MMA guy, I got to keep pumping that one up, man. Absolutely. I, <laughs> I need like I need walkout music one of these weeks. Like we need to <laughs> cue up some Get nice it. heavy metal. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> so quickly, just want to recap for our title sponsor here, everybody that's on our live feed here on Facebook can see while I share the screen here with us. But here we go. This week we have free giveaway for a signed Deontay Johnson color rush jersey from Total Sports Enterprises, our name sponsor. Go on over to their Twitter page at Total Sports ENT and just retweet it and you're entered. Easiest way to win. Winners get a jersey and they, you'll know tomorrow if you won. And that's every Monday we get a new jersey to give away on game day weeks. Every Wednesday, we know who the new winner is. So good luck, Steeler Nation, Facebook, Twitter. Jump on at Total Sports ENT. Retweet that picture of Deontay Johnson signing his name right there on his jersey, and you will be automatically entered to win that color rush jersey. So good luck, Steeler Nation. He had a big game, 100 yards plus. So, of course, they got to highlight the big guy for this week. I love it, man. I love how they always do that. It's really cool. And just a retweet. Come on, that's not asking for much. You might as well enter in there. And as you guys know, all year I've been wanting a Deontay Johnson jersey anyway, so I may even jump in and enter that one. (laughs) (laughs) I know, he's our guy. Oh, We will be getting to the running game questions later in the show. I know people are asking here on Twitter. Uh, Personally, I want to ask something personally from you, Hunter. I mean, we're 9-0 and right now. Do you have any superstitions that you do or game day routines to keep our team undefeated? Not at all, honestly. I've never been a superstitious guy in any walk of life, and especially whenever it deals with something that does not concern me at all. You yeah. know, if, if I played for the Steelers, maybe I would be thinking more superstitious, but 
I am under no delusion that what I do at my house has any effect on how they perform on game day. So maybe I'm just a little too realistic about it, but I do, I do tend to get uh, the get go Buffalo tenders before every game. So Ooh, well, that, then that's a routine. So it is, it is like my pregame routine. And then, so I'll get some get go Buffalo tendies rolling and obviously some nice cold beers at home. So that, listen, that's a combo. I'm not mad about repeating every Sunday. So, <laughs> so for me, I've got a lot of routines. I would, say i'm not superstitious but here are my routines you let me know if you think i'm superstitious or not number one is always every year never wash my terrible towel from the start of the season when i start wearing it through when they get knocked out of the playoffs that's the only time i'll wash my terrible towel that's number one always have to have the same terrible towel every week because i got a bunch of them though i do have a playoff terrible towel that I, i use second superstition that i've been doing all this year and this is specific for this year i've never done this before I've only won, worn my Big Ben jersey all year. I've got lots of jerseys, only been wearing the Big Ben jersey this year, and I haven't been washing it. <laughs> all right, fair. So you are that, superstitious. <laughs> that may be bordering on superstition because I'm now to the point where, like, well, I'm not washing my towel, so I might as well not wash my jersey. Yeah. So my other thing that I do within games and Twitter, I mean, Steeler fans, you guys know, if I'm sitting in a spot during the game – and they're not doing well, I will get up and sit somewhere else. Wow. So that you're, is so that I guess that one has to be a superstition. Dude. And, yeah, and, you're you're way in. <laughs> and here's another thing as a beer guy. I will not drink a beer from the state of the team we are playing. That's really fair. Game. Dude, that that's funny. That's a that's a great <laughs> superstition. I was just thinking about that too. That that's funny you mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, I do some work for this Hampton beer outlet in Allison Park out here and they for the Ravens week want to like hype up some kind of Steelers Ravens rivalry. And I was thinking of take like local Pittsburgh beer versus beers from Baltimore and just like buy, you know, if you're a Ravens fan, you buy the Baltimore beer. If you're a Steelers fan, buy the Pittsburgh beer, like figure something yes. out. Like that. Yeah. Pittsburgh's beer is way, way better. Way <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie. I'm from the Baltimore area. I yeah. am a big Natty Bow drinker. We were on team Natty Bow back in college. <laughs> we started it back in the, uh, you know, late nineties. And, uh, Natty Bow is essentially like it, it's just like PBR. It's very easy drinking. It's to sure. me, it's more easy drinking than IC. Though I love IC, I can drink IC when I'm out in pit, and that's what I do drink on game days out in pit because it's easy to drink. Yeah, but I love me some Natty Bow as well. So <laughs> I hear that. I won't and, uh, hold it against you. So now being nine and zero, we got to watch that nightcap game with the Ravens Patriots and learn now that we're three games up on the division with a game in hand on both the Ravens and Cleveland. I mean, what the hell is up with the Ravens right now? Just don't look good, man. I was watching that game and really not – they didn't look threatening in any phase. Now, in their defense, and I know I'm probably going to make some Yinzers and Steelers fans angry defending the Ravens in any capacity, Mm -hmm. those were some terrible conditions that game, man. The weather weather was insane. They just could not get anything going. It was not favoring them. Sometimes you can see the weather kind of equalize if a team is clearly better than another. I think about that Steelers-Dolphins game years ago that was the mud bowl with the punt yeah. that just plugged stuck in the, in the ground the three like, the three, yeah. three nothing game or something yeah, like that the, <laughs> the Steelers realistically should have blown out or at least beat the Dolphins pretty handedly in that one but instead it turns into a 3-0 game where nobody could do anything so sometimes the weather can just equalize it level the playing field a little bit the Ravens are better than they looked that night but I will say it's nice to know that the Ravens can play down to that level. They looked bad. They looked yeah. worse than the Steelers had at any point. Maybe the Cowboys game, the Steelers looked that bad. But, you know, 
it, my, it's, it's nice to see him underperform like that. And my takeaways from that game is, you know, Bill Belichick went in and did what he does when he faces another team, and that is take away their best player and their best option, and that is allowing Lamar Jackson to run the football. They completely denied that. They mm-hmm. forced him to throw. He's already an inaccurate passer. Now that he's throwing in these conditions, it makes it near impossible to throw these balls. Yeah. So great job for them for scheming for that type of game. Um, because, But the converse thing was the weather kind of should have you know, evened out that entire aspect, to tell you the mm-hmm. truth, because the way the Ravens are built, they're built on the run, so they should be able to run the ball in crap weather, and right. they're built to stop the run. So, and that game suited their style of play. It's what they're built for. It's how they win games. And it shows that even in a situation where they have to rely on their strengths, they've shown that they cannot win a game in certain situations, like when they played against us and now when they played against New England in New England. And not, not to mention the Patriots have to face a running quarterback like that in practice every day. So they should be used to, you know, chasing Cam Newton down, chasing Lamar down. Yeah. They, they undoubtedly understand how to stop that kind of offense. And the Patriots coaching staff obviously knows the weaknesses, the shortcomings of it, and then kind of how to exploit that on the opposite side. So it doesn't surprise me that they would handle Lamar exceptionally well. Like, like you said, they're kind of built – for that but the Ravens were built to win a game like that too so it was kind of it was just an interesting matchup the the Patriots are one of those teams man I'm not counting them out until they're mathematically out (laughs) yeah it's and I know I said going into the last week's game I was you know kind of a kind of scared that I really didn't like the matchup I, I was afraid of the Steelers defense against a pure passing quarterback and from now on I am never going to take that stance again because the way that our defense and secondary specifically shut down Joe Burrow, who had been feasting on NFL defenses and good ones Mm -hmm. for the past uh, four or five weeks was completely nullified. And that was, you know, so that was great to watch. I loved early. The wind was so bad at that game that neither Ben nor Burrow could pass. And that did the Steelers a favor, I think, in not letting Burrow get in any kind of rhythm early. I think that kind of affected him. He, you know, he, he just wasn't able to establish that rhythm. They had the one nice drive before halftime. Their, their touchdown drive, their long touchdown drive was very nice. That was kind of Burrow at his best. But other than that, man, they really could just not get anything going. Running game was non-existent. I still think and I still maintain Burrow to T Higgins is going to be a lethal combination in the AFC North for a while to come. T Higgins looked very good. I still think Burrow is better than he looked, but man, it's like, like we said, that's not this when we were joking about Andy Dalton getting COVID on purpose, that's just not the defense you want to face. If you're a quarterback or you're a young quarterback, or you have any kind of struggles you're working through, just not the defense you want to see, man. They were putting him on his butt late. That's now a couple weeks in a row that the Steelers pass rush was slow out of the gates pressuring the quarterback but at the end of the game just completely took over so it's nice to see those guys that we rely on on the defensive line and the outside linebackers revving it up as the game goes because I think that's what really great teams do they just suck your will to live by the and by the end of the game they were getting to burrow it seemed like every drop back he was getting hit so that was kind of the slow burn for the defense obviously the turnovers 
Cam yeah. Sutton with another forced fumble. Now three games in a row for three him. In a, yeah, and Crazy. limited snaps in some yeah. packages. I mean, he's so, a monster out there right now. Yeah, Great so ball. talk about stepping up in the absence of Mike Hilton, who may or may not be back this week. It sounds like he probably will be, but but kudos to Sutton making the most of his time. That's what the that's what the coaching staff, coaches always want to see from guys is just when you get the opportunity, rise to it. I think it's safe to say that Cam Sutton did rise to it. A couple big plays allowed here and there. But he showed a nose for the ball and an ability to generate turnovers, which, you know, they're always going to love. Yeah. And showing right here, I'm just going to go through one quarterback, at least on the day, did not have a problem throwing the football. And that was Ben Roethlisberger. Mm. Oh, that's the wrong one. My gosh. I go and queue up the wrong damn thing. Yeah, it was a nice completion for Burrow, though. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I hit that off. Yeah. So I'll, I'll have to requeue that up later. But either way, I, I had – uh ben's highlights here are ben's highlights there we go now i can cue these and now you can see it you can see them i can't see them now okay well then i'll share my screen so everybody <laughs> watching on facebook now can watch big ben who there he is. this was this was a windy day it was tough to throw and ben and we couldn't run the football we had trouble getting the game going still ben showed he had little to no trouble moving the football once everything was spread out and he was hitting his targets in another another game with 46 attempts he's over 300 yards 333 yep four touchdowns no interceptions i mean that's just as efficient as you can get coming out in these kind of conditions just going to prove that and it's you know a little bit more for the talking heads that don't want to give ben credit yep. for how good of a quarterback that he is but you put Brady in this situation. You put Rodgers in this situation with these wind conditions. I don't know if they can do as well. He, I mean, he was surgical. I, I definitely tweeted during the game. It's his best game of the year by far. Just not yeah. even statistically, and I know it was statistically as well, but just watching his pocket presence, his ability to sense the rush, step up. that The touchdown pass to Juju stepping up in the pocket and delivering that strike to Juju in the back of the end zone was just yeah. like, that's oh, prime, gosh. Ben. There's, yes. there's a handful of quarterbacks in the NFL that can do that at their best, and he's one of them. And spreading the ball around once again, like we're used to, you know, it's kind of all Deontay early, and then yep. more of an Ebron and Juju approach as the game wore on. Claypool, of course, coming up big again. I mean, that – it's like we said all all year, dude. When they when they want to spread it out, it's just it's yeah actually indefensible. So it was yeah surgical from Ben. But in his listen, mm-hmm. we'll tamper it a little bit. In his defense, he threw a pick six that Bates just straight up dropped. Yeah, there he was, did. There, yep. there was uh, agree. It was a flawless. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. But um, looking at his stats, at least he just had his 24th win against Cincinnati, which is the most wins that a quarterback has had against any other team. Um, also no sacks let up. So kudos to the offensive line yeah. when you're dropping back 46 times, that's huge, especially banging up both knees the previous game. Yeah. And he has tied his record for 2007 and 2014 with the most touchdowns in nine games with 22. That's so he's killer. on pace right now to possibly get a career high. He's on pace for something I saw, uh, like 39 touchdowns and seven interceptions, I think. Which wow. would be that, – that's a fantastic stat. I mean, especially for Ben, who is never known for being this Aaron Rodgers model of efficiency. Yeah. I mean, that's like a total transformation for him. So that's awesome to see. And one thing I want to note, too, against the Bengals that I definitely noticed was early on – the Bengals were getting their hands all over balls, batting balls down at the line like we'd seen on those quick passes. 
Yeah. And man, did he he turned on the pump fake as that game yes. went on and was tearing them up with this. They they couldn't jump, and if they did jump, they were jumping at a pump. It yes. completely nullified that problem. So I mean, maybe that's the answer. If the offensive line is gonna hold up like that and give him that extra half second he needs, that could be all it takes. And that that was just yeah. an awesome adjustment from him. It was really cool to see that as the game wore on. That's a great call, and that's a nuance that a lot of Steeler fans might not have noticed because that those tip balls were killing us in that Tennessee game. And I did notice them early as well, but you're right that by the second three quarters or the, the last three quarters, I don't think he got a single ball tipped. Yeah. And, and he was tearing them up with it. Like it wasn't even yeah. just that it was helping the passing attack in general. Another big week from Juju too, man. I tweeted, you know, he needs to just, they need to just switch his number to 86. I'm fully in, <laughs> fully in on the Juju becoming Heinz Ward thing. It, it it's just that's what's happening. That's what I see from Juju, man. He's tough. He's hard to bring down. He's yeah. making all the clutch catches. I love it. Yeah, I do too. He, and I'll, I will say Heinz Ward-esque because there, there's just no Heinz Ward because yeah, Juju, is, true. Juju is a much bigger receiver than Heinz was. I mean, I think Heinz was like six foot. Yeah, Juju's he was like big. Six two. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, it, and Juju just looks just enormous. I mean, yeah, Heinz was built like – pretty wide in the in the chest as well but juju just looks like he, he packed on so much muscle this offseason he did so, man he, he's he's jacked right now for sure and it's yeah. definitely showing on the field doesn't seem to have hurt his speed too much either so good for him man that's awesome <laughs> and unfortunately we got to talk about a running game a little bit here i mean connor with 36 yards on 13 carries 2.8 average i mean the run game's kind of in the tank right now mm-hmm. uh, we're talking about 79 carries for 232 over the last four games averaging 2.9 over that so this is the third game in a row where the Steelers have been held under 50 yards and they had 48 yards 46 yards and then 44 yards this past week and that is the first time in franchise history that has ever happened for the Steelers Mm -hmm. yeah you'd expect this to be 0-3 when you go through a, a stretch like that but it shows you that Ben is putting this team on his back really to get this team through this kind of like rough patch where we, we just are having problems running the football. Yeah. And we talked about it a little last week as well, how those short passes are your running game in today's NFL or can be your running game when executed effectively And the Bengals game. What well, that was the perfect representation of it. You know, that was, yeah. they turned to the pass completely. The run was so non-existent that it was like surprising when Connor actually got a handoff to me. He's like, why even, why even try to run it at this point? Cause they can't stop the passing game at all. Like just, just yeah. keep throwing it, forget yep. it, just do it. But everybody wants a solution to this. Obviously, if you guys listen to Mike Tomlin's press conference today, he was mm-hmm. asked about it by local reporters probably eight or nine times in different ways. And by the end, he was like, yep. I feel like we've talked about the running game enough. We're working on it. We need a complete retool of it. We understand the challenge ahead. Yeah, typical Tomlin stuff, addressing it. But he likened it to their uh, defense on third down, that teams were converting third downs on the Steelers like crazy earlier in the year. And then against the the Bengals struggled intensely against on third down. They were just shut down completely. Yeah. he, He likened the running game to that, to where, you know, it's something that we understand is a problem, but it's not just play. It's not just, let Brenny Snell run more, let Anthony McFarlane run more. It's not just run up yep. the middle more. It's the, there's no one solution to this. It's a total rebuild that they need to do with their running game. So the answer is going to be bits and pieces of everything. And they're going to keep making little adjustments and tweaking it until they find kind of the secret sauce. It's kind of, it's, it's weird to me because earlier in the year we were talking about how they had a hundred yards, the first, you know, four or five games, they were running the ball extremely well. 
yeah. and it went from extremely well to extremely poor. There was no like average in between. They just <laughs> fell off a cliff. So I don't, I'm not sure what happened, man. And when I watch it, I feel like I see a couple little things. I don't think James Conner is an outside runner, and I don't know why they insist on trying to run him to the outside, but they do. He, he, he can be effective as a one-cut runner starting inside and then doing that one-cut to the outside because that's when he shows where he usually breaks off big yardage. Um, some of the times he's just not – to my opinion, I've seen a couple instances where I thought he could have bounced it out on an inside run and had a big yardage but just didn't. Like yeah. He, he just kind of – you know, retook it right back up inside, whereas all you have to do is beat that edge and there's nobody uh, around to the outside. But, you know, everybody can make up speed too in this NFL, so exactly. <laughs> my eyes may be deceiving me. But, um, you know, kudos also for the offense spreading the ball around yet another game. Uh, yeah. This time it was Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster being the big guys, um, getting most of the receptions with uh, six catches for 116 yards and a touchdown for DJ and then Smith-Schuster getting nine catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown. And then another player here also getting double-digit targets, Chase Claypool, four receptions and two big touchdowns. So yeah. Ben spreading the wealth. Ben still hitting Eric Ebron on big plays, James Washington on big plays, even Connor and Ray-Ray McLeod. Both had multiple receptions, two for two. All three of those guys, James Washington, James Connor, Ray-Ray McLeod, were, had two catches on both targets that they nice. were targeted. So – Great job reliable. for those guys filling in and making plays when they're needed to. Exactly, man. Just just being reliable targets is all you can ask for when you get down to that, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh target yeah. share on the team. I mean, that's all you want from those guys. It was interesting to watch them work Deontay early. I feel like he had, you know, every catch or almost all six of his catches in the first half. He was just unstoppable early, and then they totally shifted the script in the second half. It's amazing to watch that team go through their options and see no drop-off. Like, it doesn't matter yeah. if it's Juju or yeah. Deontay or Claypool or James or Ebron, for that matter. They're all equally lethal, and it's becoming super obvious that defenses cannot stop that when they're spreading the ball around because it's a it's totally pick-your-poison kind of deal. You can say, you know, Deontay needs less or Juju needs more or James needs more, but really the answer is whatever works on game day is what needs to happen, and it's working on game day. So there's no formula. There's nobody who needs more or less. It's just a matter of feel from Ben, and he's feeling it out perfectly so far. Yeah, and the Steelers eighth in red zone offense now this season, 68%. Up from last in the league last year at thirty five percent. Wonder why striker? What's the I mean, What's the difference? I don't know. Is there something different this year? It, it, it could be a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. Maybe. I don't know. It could be anything. <laughs> Probably play calling. It's got to be play calling. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But now uh, at least they went for six for sixteen on third down this past game. The whereas we talked about Steelers are now improving their third down defense. O for thirteen. Um, I know Kazora, uh, Alex Kazora over on Steeler Depot just threw up some nice uh, footage. If you guys go over there and check out what he did showing on how Mika Fitzpatrick was coming down and bracketing Higgins on third downs as being a big part for the success that the Steelers had because that's his, that's Joe's number one option and his security blanket. looks like he's looking to Higgins. They both came in the, yep. in the league the same year. So uh, <laughs> looking over to his guy and seeing him bracketed, not even being open on third down yeah. was one of the big reasons and one of the big defensive shift changes for the Steelers being so successful now with a negative that is now a positive for this team. Hopefully the running game will get turned around again. Um, penalty wise, we both had six penalties. 
nothing big there. Uh, two turnovers, so plus two in the turnover ratio. And Steelers had a minute more possession, not really that big of a deal, 30 and a half as opposed to 29 and a half. But really, they weren't trying to possess the ball. They were just scoring. It wasn't that big of a deal. But taking it to the defensive side, sack-wise, Watt with two, Dupree with one, Spillane with one, six total tackles for for losses, and Watt had two of them. Yeah, not bad. He's, nah. he's still decent at football upon my last viewing. So that, that's good to see that TJ hasn't fallen off the earth. Yeah. So now the, now the Steelers are still second all-time, one sack in 66 straight games. 69 is the record. So three more to catch that Tampa Bay team that happened to have a certain coach coaching their defensive backs, mm-hmm. Mr. Mike Tomlin. Yeah, I can't see them not getting that record, man. If there's a betting line on that, I would yeah. bet that they get it all day. I can't just it's unfathomable that that defense will not get a sack in a full game eventually. They will get you eventually. They will, but that's just been the identity of this defense over the past 3 years. Right. I mean, before we started getting these really good edge sackers, we were kind of getting sacks from everywhere. We'd yeah. still be leading in the league in sacks and I think Cam Hayward was like the top sack getter like some of those years just because we didn't have those big edge rushers settled in yet. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool to watch the team kind of embrace this in that they don't care. It's exactly what we just talked about with the wide receivers and the defense is the same way. They don't care who's getting the sacks or who's getting the interceptions or statistics. It's very clear watching this team that they are a unit and they're all hyped for each other and the team's success. It's awesome to see, man. And I saw on, on Twitter that actually they introduced the team as a team this year, that they don't do yes. individual player introductions, which I didn't know. I just That's, learned that yeah. last week. That's, I mean, what more do you want from your football team? And this is their nine and oh, and they're like a team, team, team for as much as we yeah. want to talk about stepping out of the shell of AB, the diva and Le'Veon Bell, the diva and all that. What could more clearly say that? than yeah. this 2020 Steelers team. It's very clear that they're a different group and they're all hyped for each other. And, hey, shocker, they're 9-0 and as a result. And you and I talked about that week one and yeah. in the preseason, stating that we really liked the ability for the Steelers over a lot of other teams with their consistency both in their front office and in their coaching staff over, over the years to be able to weather this type of storm. I mean, this is – something that Tomlin is built for. He's a no-nonsense guy. He tells it like it is. He doesn't make up stories. He doesn't try to motivate you with narrative. This guy is just strictly like, this is your job. This is how you do it. Go out and execute. Yep. You know, we all got to deal with COVID. This is the way it is. Oh, woe is us. We have a take our bye week at week four. And he's like, whatever. It's, this is the way it is. We expected it. We're just fortunate to be playing football. And we are. And we're fortunate to be 9-0 yeah. and o at this point. Oh, dude, you know? you're always fortunate to be 9-0 and o in the national football. Yeah. But <laughs> building on the Le'Veon Bell and AB comment, Robert yeah. on Facebook dropped a little note for us I found was pretty hilarious. He said, how great would it be to beat Bell and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship and then AB in the Super Bowl? <laughs> he said, LOL. <laughs> LOL, just joking. The Bucks suck, dude. I I don't agree with. I think the Bucks are pretty good, but I. I agree. Here, my question is: Is Le'Veon Bell actually on the Chiefs? I don't know. He's he's done nothing for them. So yeah, yeah, and it seems like he's actually lost his spot too because he started off as backup. And I just read that even when they were giving their rookie a rest the last game, they had another running back coming up yeah. taking the snaps as opposed to Bell. So it's crazy. Bell is kind it's of in like. See. 
pigeonholed as maybe like a third down option or maybe as a you know like a hurry up run and shoot like two minute drill option that honestly that that fits his playing style you want a diverse running back that is like he's an amazing blocker as a running back he was Mm. perfect for us in that role and also to have that ability to be an excellent pass catcher out of the backfield giving you know giving the Mahomes another excellent option in two minute drill or or end of game scenarios like that's where I think they're going to work him in yeah it's he is getting kind of limited more and more and more and I don't know if he's going to start getting more and more disgruntled right Uh, a b also having some chinks in the armor where another report came out about him smashing some stuff this week turned out being (sighs) like a, a security camera and I mean you know it's <laughs> you always hear every contrite athlete coming back from a from a problem off field problem oh I found religion oh I'm going to be better I remember Mike Tyson when he found a different religion when he came out of jail and that lasted like a week before he started biting ears off again yeah. and uh, so it's just like some guys just don't change I mean life is change but some guys just never change and this might be an instance where Antonio Brown it just is, it doesn't seem to be changing for the better, at least. Nah, it's it's tough, man. And the it Bucks, is. to their credit, said they were aware of this last in- incident before they signed him. So it doesn't look like it's going to be an issue unless, hmm. unless the, league, the hmm. league finds him at fault or something like that. But sounds like Brady <laughs> just wanted AB on his team at, yeah. at any cost. Which, and dude, to AB's credit, he's kind of low key balling out again already. Had like seven catches for seventy yards. Yeah, and it, I saw an easy touchdown that Brady overthrew him on. So yeah. we're talking about a totally different stat line if he connects on that deep bomb. But it yeah. doesn't look like he lost a step, which is a problem for yeah. defenses. Well, at least our defense is more built to handle somebody like that. I mean, kudos to the secondary, Terrell Edmonds led the team with eight total tackles. Minka had six. You had Joe Hayden with four tackles and three passes defensed. Three. I mean, that's a big yeah. number. You usually see like one or two. Uh, Steven Nelson also with a PD and a fumble recovery. And as we talked about, Cameron Sutton, his third game in a row, getting a freaking fumble, forcing yeah. a fumble. That is just insane. And, and Coach Tomlin mentioned it today in the presser, just stating out on – that not only is he really proud of that accomplishment of somebody being able to create a splash play like that in three straight games, but doing so in limited snaps. And that is important. And that shows the rest of the team, Hey, you know, I'm on the field more than that. Why aren't I doing that? And maybe it causes a little bit of internal competition within the team to hopefully force a couple more turnovers. But at least what I, what I saw out of the secondary, I just absolutely loved how that team played this past game, both. I mean, and we've shown this too. We've been talking about this just about every week too, Hunter. And it's Steelers are going to let up. It seems one receiver is going to get good numbers every week. And Steelers have shown that you're not going to lose a game to one receiver. Right. You're just not. I mean, you, you of course play them in certain situations where you double and triple and bracket. So you're, you don't get into trouble, but if they're making plays on first and second downs, Hey, tap hats off to them. They found the play and they made it. Yep. So great job to them. And you know, that's, that's, that's all you can say is just like, Hey, great job. And hopefully we can go back and, and fix it next down or next series and, and learn from it. But, uh, but sure. I was really happy with the, with the performance that they've had over these past couple games and very happy for my boy, Barry punting, still killing it <laughs> nearly 50 really yards, is. 62 long punt. I mean, this is a new punter. Like this is the best Barry we have ever seen. And I was surprised that that one even bounced into the end zone. I thought that was going to be a, 
one of his good old Aussie yeah, rolls yeah. and just like turn around, flip around backwards and just stick there in the four. But yeah, you know, still an excellent, excellent, excellent game. I, I mean, I, I get geeked on special teams. I played a lot of special teams cause I'm built like a punter, but uh, <laughs> that's just the way I came through high school playing football. And I, I really respect the guys that do that and do that. Well, Boswell's sure. well being perfect that game. So yeah, Boswell looked great as usual. I like Barry, man. I like Barry as kind of a redemption story in a way because he was always so boomer bust, but it seems like he's added a level of consistency to his game now upon yeah. coming back. So maybe he did take that time off to heart. Maybe that was kind of a wake-up call for him, you know, like this can all end in a second. So it's nice to see him come back and come back better because that that tells me that he cares, he's invested, and he's committed to making improvements instead of just – cash and a paycheck which is how a lot of people thought he was kind of treating his job towards the end there before he got cut so it's nice to see that he comes back and actually starts performing better not just for the team but for him personally I feel like it's a strong sign of his personal growth so that's cool to see game balls hunter offense who do you have for your game ball this week I mean I mean it's gotta it's gotta be Ben but I feel like you want be. Ben so I'll oh, give it, it don't matter you can take okay. whoever you want I gotta you know I what? always have a backup <laughs> I'll give it I'll give it to Deontay and put in a nice. good word with total sports enterprises yeah since he's my game ball maybe I'll get the jersey <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> good luck fingers crossed this isn't rigged, yeah. guys yeah, yeah go to total sports enterprises retweet that try to win that deontay johnson signed jersey but yeah for me obviously big ben story of the day the rushing the rushing attack was non-existent he had to do it with his arm and he did it perfectly with his arm other than that one that you were saying it could have been a pick six but still four touchdowns no interceptions hitting everybody utilizing everybody and he even came out and stated I'm not looking to force the ball at all on this team. I am going to go out and throw to whoever is open. And that yeah. is a different Big Ben who's always had those receivers with Ward before him and then Antonio Brown, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. I mean, like, Ward probably didn't say it as much, but definitely Antonio Brown. But, but Ward was the older elder statesman, an excellent receiver. I'm sure he knew how to coerce Ben to, to look his way on certain plays. But with Antonio Brown, we always knew that that was going to be him. Just like, please, please give me the ball. And if I don't give it to me, I might throw a Gatorade <laughs> cooler across Fair. the field. <laughs> yeah. He did catch most of them that got thrown his way in fairness. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like that was a bad option, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so defensively, who would be your defensive game ball? I'm giving this one to Joe Hayden, man. You mentioned awesome. the three three yeah. passes defended, but not just that he defended three passes. It was when he did, you know, on third down, tough yeah. third downs. He was yep. making huge breakups that just kind of flipped the field. So Yeah, all, I think all three of those PDs were on third downs, like you're there. saying. Yeah, there. I, I remembered at least two of them were, but if the third yep. was as well, that's that's even better. So, yeah, Joe Hayden for me. Perfectly called. And I'm going a little differently the way I, I do defensive calls. And this time – I'm giving it to the entire secondary. Mm. Uh, everybody on the secondary was making plays. Edmonds was all over the place tackling. You had um, um, Fitzpatrick making plays down the field. I actually have a, a, a play I'm going to show you on Minka in a second. Nelson making plays, recovering a fumble, defending a pass, Sutton forcing a fumble. I mean, this just as a unit, holding that team to no conversions on third down. Yeah. And most of them were third and long. I mean, that is the biggest – compliment that you can have to a secondary and the sacks mostly being covered sacks as well it seemed like to me they were like longer 
holding yeah. the ball a little bit more. We got in there quick on the one, but the other ones were a little slower on those other three. But it was the secondary doing their job, man. And that was what I really loved watching. Very true. And I want to shout out Anthony. As always, Facebook, Anthony, Anthony! thanks for joining us, man. He just <laughs> chimed in and said said Tyson looked great upon coming back as well. And that, that's a good point. You know, maybe we didn't give him the game ball, but his, yes. his impact on the running game was obvious as we had hoped and expected. Tyson looks like his knee is fully healthy now. So that's cool to see him back in the fold and crushing it again. Yeah. And going to the film here, I just guys want to show you something, something quickly on this film. When you're on Facebook, if you guys on Twitter, you can watch it later on on our YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash C slash Steeler Nation. So on this play, we recognize this. This was the biggest play that the Bengals had against us this game. We know it was a, a defensive breakdown. That was a, it's, it, it's just a complete bonehead play defensively, but there was a positive that occurred on this play that I want to really highlight. And it was by Minka Fitzpatrick that, who was playing deep safety. And you see there's no one in the backfield except for Joe Hayden. So all five eligible receivers on the line of scrimmage. And for some reason, we went cover one. And I don't know how the hell that happened because the guys should have dropped back and people should at least follow the seam ball. But as I will play this through, he will throw down the field and you will see I will slow this down and I will zoom in a bit. It's a nice, long, deep pass down the field. And here comes Minka Fitzpatrick. And what's going on here? Here comes a stiff arm. Like we're used to seeing, but no, he slaps it down, bam, wraps him up and throws him to the ground. So many times on those deep balls, when I was watching the older safety play of Mitchell, unfortunately, in his last two years, when I called him no play Mitchell, he was getting face robbed every time trying to make a play downfield just because he could not, he'd go for the tackle or try to make a play and somebody's just like, eh, no thanks. And not yeah. even hard stiff arms, but to see that stiff arm come out on that play get whacked down as it's coming back and then completely grabbing the guy was just at least a fun thing for me to take from a play that was such a negative for the Steelers on that day. Uh, he was all over it. It's actually fun. I didn't notice that. It was cool to see it in slow motion. I mean, it's like he was yeah. clearly waiting on that stiff arm and he like was. ready, ready yeah. <laughs> to combat it. So that, that was funny to see. Great play from Minka. Like you said, he played extremely well. The whole secondary played extremely well. So, And yeah. that's including, you know, Sutton and Justin Lane and some of the rotational guys that got in and saw some action. Man, they're, they're all stepping up to the plate. Yeah, they are. They are. And fortunate, too, kudos to the uh, special teams, too, for fixing the punt kick errors. We can talk about that a little bit later on, too. I know we got some questions on that coming up. But COVID-wide, moving forward into the, uh, to this week, we still have two guys on the COVID list, and that would be Vance McDonald, who has the option of being called off of the list, I think, on Wednesday. And if mm -hmm. not, it would be Thursday at the latest when he can come off of that list. Other person being on that list is going to be Kevin Dotson, and they put him on on Saturday, so he's going to miss the next two games. Yeah. But the bonus for that means I think he's eligible on the Monday after our, our next, next game, right? So after the next Sunday, yes, he – he'd be able to come in and play. So uh, possibly being able to be active for the Ravens game for Thanksgiving. Uh, so that, that nice. would be a bonus to get him back for that depth for the Ravens Definitely. game. Yeah, that'd be great. And good job for the Steelers. They deep cleaned the entire UPMC practice facility. COVID cases are growing up nationally. If you've noticed in the league, I just got a tweet earlier today. COVID cases this past week, 18% of all players' cases occurred last week mm. for COVID-19. So, wild. big deal. 
wearing the mask. Steelers doing the right job cleaning the facilities, trying to reset because they've had a COVID scare. Kudos also to keeping Anthony McFarland off of the team and away from the team this entire week when he got an illness that was not COVID positive. But we're just going through the motions of, hey, maybe it's better off to make, let these guys stay at home for 72 hours, work through these colds or flus, because on the off chance of it is COVID, then you got another five guys that got to spend a whole week not practicing. It's kind mm-hmm. of a bitch that happened last week, but fortunately, Steelers uh, had good veterans, Vince Williams, Ben Roethlisberger, that can miss that kind of time and not miss a beat during the game. They're kind of built for it. Maybe even be better, as Ben said. He kind of liked not having to throw passes in practice and felt yeah. super fresh <laughs> on game day still. So. That's that's fun, man. That's a fun little – it's funny that he's as old as, you know, some of the assistant coaches and stuff. Like, he's been around. Yeah. So, yeah. hey, man, if, if it if it helps him throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns and no picks, I'm all for it. it they put that stat on the game last week. It's like, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger throwing to Chase Claypool, who was six years old when Ben made his first start. I'm like, oh, man. It is hilarious to think of. Like, <laughs> like I remember last year uh, talking to Benny Snell in rookie camp. He, was, he was, just kept saying how excited he was to, you know, catch a pass from Roethlisberger or get a handoff from Roethlisberger. Because, and, and then you look at the tape and it's like, dude, Benny was 20 years old when he was drafted. So, yeah, he literally grew up. Watching. watching like Ben Roethlisberger is the only Steelers quarterback that he ever really knew yeah. so, like how yeah. crazy is that for some of these young guys the, the way it is with them it's got to be so cool yeah and the Steelers are going to continue with their COVID protocol a little bit more intensively this week just like they did last week only meeting on site for drills and walkthroughs and of course practice itself all meetings all you know positional meetings defensive offensive meetings and um, film study is all going to be done from home this week. So that helps to keep numbers down. Steelers are doing it as well as they can. And I don't know of any other teams that are taking it as seriously as the Steelers are, but with this protocol in in place now for two straight weeks, it's pretty impressive. And it's giving Steeler fans at least hope that we can see this undefeated season continue as long as possible be a shame for it to end because of COVID or something silly, you know, guys held out and the team's just not the same coming back from it. But like you said, so far, so good, man. They're clearly doing things by the book. It was kind of, you know, Mike Tomlin said that I think last week, maybe the week before that there's just clear protocol laid out for this and they're just following it to a T. So it's all you can ask for of them. You know, they're not trying to get fancy or overthink it. They're literally just doing exactly what the guidelines say will produce the best results, but they're just being very diligent about it. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. 
Indeed is the number one job site in the world for more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed's match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. So injury-wise with the Steelers, we got good word. Chris Wormley is going to be coming back off of injured reserve this week. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be activated. They now have a three-week window to activate him and roster him. Um, if they don't, if they don't roster him within that three-week window, then they lose him to injury reserve for the rest of the year, which is kind of what happened with Stefan Wisniewski. It's why we kind of had to sign him for a day and then drop him off the team because he physically wasn't ready to come back. He had to have a setback with his injury and hopefully can rehab on his own and come back and join the team later when he's ready. But good news for Wormley getting him back. That's big because that's depth that we went out and traded for. So hopefully he can come in and help out with the young guys still doing well too, like Mondu, Isaiah Bugs, Carlos Davis getting quality snaps now. So it's nice to see that across the board. Mike Hilton's supposed to be coming back this week. Uh, Isaiah Bugs probably going to be practicing a bit more. I know he's been on the limited phase here lately, but hopefully he makes his way back. Uh, Anthony McFarlane hopefully will be coming back from this illness. We'll see how serious that was, and hopefully it's non-COVID related. And then the last two were Trey Edmonds and Jalen Samuels got banged up in the game. Hamstring for, J- for Trey, uh, quad for Jalen. We'll have to see how they practice and if they're going to be held out a little bit early on in the week. Yeah, I mean, uh, once again, pretty good injury news for the most part. You know, they've avoided any major setbacks or anything of that nature. Like you said, Wormley nearing a return is good. It's funny now that Alulu's back, but it, it was funny that Wormley, like, actually ended up being a guy that they really could have used these past couple weeks. You you would hope that wouldn't have been the case, but that's just how it worked out. Now, Hilton obviously coming back as well is good for the team. We couldn't say enough about his work. Uh, rushing the passer and stopping the run, just all the little things Mike Hilton does. So that'll be exciting to have him back in the fold. All in all, man, no reasons to not go 10-0, and in my opinion. Truth. Pittsburgh versus Jacksonville coming up this weekend, guys. There's a good chance of going 10-0. and I mean, obviously, the Steelers sound like they've stopped taking lower-quality opponents or lower-record-value opponents uh, as, as less as they would a better – a better opponent, but this time we'll have to see what they do. I just got a phone call. That's why I'm a little flustered right now. <laughs> I know they have a great running back in Robinson. How are they looking at quarterback here, uh, Hunter? Brutal, man. Even, you know, Gardner Minshew is, was not that good. He's injured. He's not going to be playing. So I don't think he would have been a huge challenge, but he certainly would be an upgrade over this Jake Luton, Luton. I'm sorry if I don't know how to say his name, but he didn't look great against the Packers from what I saw. Definitely missed a lot of throws. But 
yeah. he has a lot of talent around him, which is what's scary. Like you said, James Robinson looks great. Awesome yes. running back. Mike running Tom- back. He's a he's rookie this year too, right? Undrafted? Undrafted rookie. Wow. The most yardage for an undrafted rookie to this point in their career in NFL history. So he's wow. literally the best undrafted rookie running back in NFL history to this point, which is pretty <laughs> cool for him to say. He's not just having a good year for an undrafted rookie either. He's having a good year by any standard. He's fifth in the league in rushing yards mm. for contact. So the dude is just playing extremely well. And if you guys play fantasy football, I'm sure you already know James Robinson. He's like the waiver wire angel yep. uh, savior of the year. <laughs> so, nice. so they got him. But what's, what's I won't say scares me, but what puts me on edge a little bit even more than James Robinson is their trio of receivers. They got Chenault, the rookie, looks very good. Keelan Cole had kind of a career year, a career game last game against the Packers. And then uh, DJ Chark is very good. I have a lot of respect for his game and what he can do as well. So they've got DJ Chark, DJ Chark, DJ Chark. He did it. He did it. DJ Chark. can't believe he did it. I did. That's that's my favorite personal joke. If I was, I like if I had it. Berman's job and I was doing, a dude, that's a great that's football a great highlights. Sure. I mean, I, I cannot think anything but the the, the, the shark dance having a kid. It works. <laughs> it works super perfectly, man. But yeah, I mean, he he's another great young receiver. So they have a super young, talented receiving core that reminds me of. I think back to when we were talking to Joe Thomas and when he mentioned trouble dealing with you know three b c plus b minus receivers versus one a and a bunch of d's this jaguars receiving core is very much three good maybe not great but three good with upside receivers that can be a problem for a lot of teams and you know they they can do some good stuff so if the quarterback can figure his game out then it could be a totally different game as it stands Mm -hmm. actually if you look at team stats as far as passing yards per game and rushing yards per game the Steelers and Jags compare extremely favorably. They're they're super close to one another in both categories, but the big mm. difference is the Steelers at 30.1 points per game and the Jags are all the way down at 22 points per game. So turning the yardage into points, and it's no coincidence the Jaguars have a negative turnover differential on the year. Yeah, so that yeah. pretty much explain it right there, whereas the Steelers are second in the league with a plus nine behind only the Titans who have a plus ten. So taking care of the ball, Jags not doing a great job of that. That could be the difference. But it's funny, man, because the Jag, what you see one and eight, and you think, you know, this is an easy blowout for the Steelers. They're really not that bad, man. Like they have some talented players. If it comes together, it just has not gelled yet. And obviously the quarterback's holding them back right now, big time. So yeah. there's that. It's not a layup game, man. I think they're better than the Cowboys. I'll say that. Like, I genuinely think this is a more talented team than the Cowboys are fielding lately. So, wow. I don't think it's a layup, no. but I do think it's 10 and 0. Yeah. And at least this isn't the same kind of defense we're used to seeing when we were playing Jacksonville and having so much trouble with Jacksonville in the past. You know, yeah. Ramsey's not there anymore. Their big middle linebackers aren't there anymore. So it's kind of a, a, a different team, but still quality players and NFL caliber professionals playing that game. It's what Mike Tomlin in the press conference said today. He's like, it's not, it's not like we're a big 10 team going to play a Mac team. You know, (laughs) it's, it's NFL team versus NFL team. There's no guarantees. There's a reason the Steelers have never started nine and O before because it's incredibly hard to do in the NFL. So now they're, they're nine and O looking for 10 and O the Jaguars, despite that one and eight record are not a layup, man. They got to shut. If they shut Robinson down early and force them to pass and really put some heat on this Luton. And uh, actually 
they could turn to Mike Glennon as well as behind him. They haven't decided on who's actually going to start. And Steelers fans undoubtedly remember Mike <laughs> Glennon from 2014 with the Buccaneers upsetting the Steelers. And yeah. maybe might have been his first career start. He wasn't a starter either. <laughs> and he threw for like 300 yards and tore him up. So the Steelers maybe are hoping not to see Glennon again. Yeah, I know. Fingers crossed. <laughs> and now it's time for the podcast questions from Steeler Nation. You can either log on at SteelerNation.com in the forum and create your own free profile to a- answer questions that I ask for each week or right here on Twitter, right here on Facebook Live during the podcast, and we will take them. First one we're going to be taking right here from Twitter to John K. Nippin 1. Do the Steelers have a decent chance to beat the Chiefs, or are we hoping that they lose before the AFC game? And at least for me to start, Yes, they have a good chance of beating the Chiefs two ways. One, I don't, I'm not sold on the Chiefs' defense being able to stop our team from scoring. And two, we have one of the few defenses that I think that could give Mahomes some problems. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be an easy win. I'm not saying it's going to be a sure thing. I think it would make for the most epic AFC championship game possible because – Honestly, I don't see these two teams playing unless it's in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, I, I agree on every level. I think to, to his question specifically, the answer is simply yes. Yeah. Yes, they have a good chance of beating them, but also, yes, I hope it doesn't come to that. That's the one team that the Steelers would not want to see. If they get eliminated before the AFC Championship, that would be great for the Steelers, in my opinion, assuming the Steelers themselves make it there, which I think we both feel they should this year, but – but it's exactly what you said. The great equalizer to any great quarterback throughout history is to put them on their back, to pressure them. You look at Tom yep. Brady with their infamous 18-1 and season. What the Giants did to that Super Bowl that changed everything was rush the crap out of him with just the, their four down linemen. So hmm. no quarterback is good on their back, and that's kind of the thing. Now Mahomes is infinitely more escapable than Tom Brady, more mobile True. than Tom Brady ever True. was. But – they can still flush him out, maybe make his life a little miserable. However, Mahomes is arguably more dangerous when he gets flushed out. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a very delicate situation and a tough problem for defenses, as you've seen. But, I mean, the Raiders beat them earlier this year. Now, yep. granted, it was a 40-32 to 32 shootout, so I think that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Not sold on the Chiefs' defense, and the Steelers would have to just simply win a shootout because you're not going to completely stop that Chiefs' offense. And Carolina Panthers nearly beat him earlier this year, too. Very so, true. I mean, I mean, but we can say conversely, you know, Denver Broncos nearly beat us. So we had a the tough Cowboys. time. And Cowboys nearly beat us. I mean, we had, we had some tough times with some teams that aren't, yeah. aren't that great as well. It's a progression with the season. But still, I like the makeup of this team. And I like the way that this team finds a way to win differently each week and makes plays no matter who it is. There's just no excuses. I, yeah. I, I, lo- I love the makeup of this team. Actually, more so than probably the makeup of any other team I've ever viewed. And I'm talking about, you know, I've been watching the team since the 70s. So this is pretty, pretty interesting stuff right now. Big words. Yeah. (laughs) So Hoot asks us, after the cause to fire Danny Smith last week, does he get credit for special teams explosion this week? And I'd say, yes, no time, no problem, John. Yes. And a small, small, uh, quick answer. Yes. The, the big problem was them shooting the A gap on, the field goal and the extra point kicks. They tried doing it again this past game, and I watched it because I specifically, like, I actually got excited. We scored a touchdown. I'm like, okay, let's see what we did on the uh, extra yeah, point here. Yeah, right. Let's see what we're doing. And, and um, they did a much better job of closing that gap, rising together, and making sure that those gaps didn't get jumped. 
that mm-hmm. game. So that was a big, big plus. Uh, and the, the biggest thing that needed fixed. But everything else, I mean, we've known that the, that the coverage team does a great job. We've known the punting game has been doing a great job. We know my cat wants to get here and talk about her favorite team, the Bengals. I like that. I, <laughs> I like She's a Bengals fan. This is the worst part. I got a brown dog that likes the Browns. And then I got a cat that, of course, it's striped and she likes the Bengals. So well, you got to get a pet them. raven next, I guess. <laughs> I know. I was telling my wife, I was like, we got a bird to be a Ravens fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny, man. I mean, to, to the question, yeah, he, Danny Smith's off the hook for this week. But this is Pittsburgh, man. You know it as well as anybody. The next gaffe they have, they'll be calling for his job again. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's just a you know, get-out-of-jail-for-one-night card. <laughs> until, until you mess up again, then you're going right back in. Yeah. And we've got Kay Stillian Steel Chip wanting to know about how do the Steelers fix this pass or this offensive rushing attack? Is it was Dotson playing better for DeCastro? Um, would Pouncey having a problem? I mean, what's the biggest issue? Is it personnel? To, to me, I don't think it's as much personnel because it can't really be. I've been giving DeCastro a little bit of, of, of harshness too on the forum. I like the way that Dotson blocks, and he really is a, 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 you know, puts power behind him when he blocks. But DeCastro can do the same damn thing. And, you know, running left seems to be more of a problem, along with, you know, the, the, the Villanueva and um, Filer side of the, the play. It seems like everybody's just busting those gaps. Not having Vince Williams was a part, or not Vance McDonald was an issue too with the blocking for that past game. So for me, it's coming down with a technique has to improve a little bit and the way that they want it to attack, hopefully doing some more inside the tackles inside the guard running plays, some more downhill stuff, which worked in the first three, four games of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but conversely, the other teams are blitzing the hell out of us on running downs. I mean, they're, they're bailing out like kind of like what we do as a team when we face a running team, we, yeah. we blitz both a gaps and they just, we end up hitting people in the backfield. Sure. Looks like you're calling your play there and super technical. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> so I like, just <laughs> I have a hard time overreacting to the problem because it's like, you know, we're broken record on this, but that the the short passing game can act as a running game and it's been incredibly efficient for this team and arguably the better option anyway. You know, maybe maybe this is just the year that the Steelers don't need to run the ball 25 times a game to win. And that's totally fine. If they keep winning, then what's really the problem? I mean, I don't see a problem with the alternative, which is let Ben turn it loose, hit some short passes, spread it around. It's working. They're nine and zero because of that. So as much as, you know, you'd love to have a great running game. And I do think that could become a problem, especially in the playoffs as guys, you know, get a little more tired, a little more worn down. I don't right now I'm not super concerned because they have plenty of time to figure it out. And I don't think it needs to be anything dramatic. I think they just need to get back to basics. Kind of like Tomlin said at his press conference today, retool some things, restructure some things, focus on that, you know, make that an emphasis and area of concern and, and improvement. And I think we'll see that. Cooley man asks us, do the Steelers have a true number one wide receiver? I'll let mm. you feel this one first. Wow, that's a great question. No, no, I don't think they do, man. And I don't think they care. You know, it's exactly what we said earlier, earlier in this show is that they don't really care who's catching the passes. I think Deontay, Juju and Claypool, especially Claypool, you know, gazing into my crystal ball and evaluating his future. I think those three guys all have number one receiver talent and capability. But I think within this offense, they will never be A, B, K, 
catching 120 passes for 1500 yards in a season it, the, the offense is just not structured to allow or facilitate something like that so I don't think that any of those guys are number one receivers as we've traditionally seen it but I do think that they are number one receiver level talents to, to me yeah I agree with that completely I absolutely think that in their own systems with if they were on their own team I could see Juju DJ and Claypool being that team's number one receiver on this yeah. team. I think good old Joe Thomas said it best back when we were talking to him, you know, the old tackle there for the Cleveland Browns. when We had him on the show Cleveland week. He said, it's much tougher to stop a team with a lot of B receivers than to stop a team with one a receiver. Yeah. And problem is now, like I take that to heart. I, I agree with him completely, but I think honestly, the Steelers have three A receivers. Yeah, I, I would and have that's a problem even call- tougher than stopping the yeah. team with all B receivers. Exactly. I have I have trouble calling those guys B receivers for sure. Exactly. When you see what they can do. <laughs> exactly. So we've got Mad Insomniac. Ooh. Asking an interesting question here: Why don't teams use a running back at holder for kicks? you'd think that with no one lining up over the center and kicking rules, that threat of having a real runner back there could put the D on its heels. Dude, I've literally never thought of this and it's freaking hilarious. I have no <laughs> idea, dude. That's an amazing idea though. And I love it. Like, yeah, it, I, I've never thought of it. I, either. Got, I know I got it, nothing from experience on special teams. The people that play special teams are your backup quarterbacks that don't get in the game and your punters. They're the ones that, that hold snaps just because, they're the ones that you, you got to take snaps away from other aspects of the game to come out and work with the kicking team the entire time. So that means one of your running backs isn't going to be using the game as much because in the off season, you had him back there holding kicks. Yeah. So it's possible if you had a young kicker or a young running back to come back and start doing holding kicks and stuff. Yeah. You could do it that way. But once they get better, they've got to be on the offensive side and not hang out with the special teams anymore. Right. So that's why it's normally a backup quarterback or a punter that gets those jobs. So, but it's a great thing to think about. I'm the same way with you, Hunter. That's great, great insta- great thing to think about there, Matt Insomniac, because that's something I'd never thought about. That, that is super funny, man. I love that idea. I would also imagine that uh, like the backup quarterback types and punters just simply have more experience holding coming into the league so they don't need to learn a new skill. A running back would have to learn that from the ground up at this point. I'm sure running backs haven't held many kicks in their life. So I don't know, but I, I love the idea, man. I love where your head's at. Uh, another, another good question from Matt Insomniac. Yeah. Hot take. Hey, Power. He, apparently, oh, oh, I thought you meant that was one. Never mind. Go for no, it. No, no, no. Here's, here, here's his hot take. Cower or Tomlin, who is better? Oh, Tomlin. Not even close. Wow, there you go. That's a, that was a quick one. Wow, I, I did not expect such a quick answer out of you. Now, Cowher, why, why would you say Tomlin is better? Because Cower inherited Knowles players, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, man. Obviously messing with you on that one. Yes. But, true. well. That's an inside joke, Andrews. We don't. We, we're not saying – because that's always the big rip on Tomlin early in his career was he inherited Cowers yeah. players. Yeah. And the, the honest answer is simply that I'm biased, and for most of my adult life I've known Tomlin's teams and really followed the team and the dealings and seen what Tomlin can do. But the, the bigger reason than that is last year was the season for me that just showed yeah. exactly what Mike Tomlin could do. 
even in missing the playoffs, simply finishing eight and eight was a remarkable achievement for them. And hearing Joe Hayden and Eric Ebron and Chase Claypool, all these guys that had Ike Taylor, Ryan yeah. Clark, you could just keep going. Yeah. All these guys who had been coached by Tomlin and what they have to say about him, man, I don't take that stuff lightly because players don't have to compliment their coach the way they do. You know, there's no, no they don't. Bra- there's no brownie points in the NFL. If you're good, you're playing. It doesn't matter if you're talking nice about the coach. So they're coming out saying, Joe, you know, Joe Hayden said that Tomlin's the best coach that he's ever had at any level, which wow. is crazy. Yeah. And, and you hear that from a ton of guys. So. And that's a guy that's had 30 coaches in, in Cleveland. So that's <laughs> <Exactly>. a big. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so, okay, go ahead. Finish off. No, no, no that's all I was going to say. Just accounting for what I've seen Tomlin do myself that I've really mm-hmm. followed and adding in the player testimonials, if you will, for me, it, it seems pretty clear cut. Now, my take on this is slightly different. And I will say that Cower and Tomlin were both the right coaches for their time of football. Mm. I, see, I like that too. I totally get that. Cower a little tougher, more hard nosed. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was a more emotional guy. Players coach as well, um, but he was all into hard nosed football, hard nosed defense, hard nosed rushing attack, which really wouldn't work nowadays. And kudos to that line of style it was very successful for us back then. Now you have Tomlin, who is perfect for this generation. We've got the younger kids growing up that need a father figure that's a strong father figure. And that's, that's the biggest thing, that he's kind of like creating men, essentially. It was yeah. something that college coaches do when they have players for four years. That was something that Joe Paterno always prided himself on, was you know, creating men out of boys. And that is people coming to the league, learning their job, learning the structure, always knowing where you're sitting, even being able to corral these these insane personalities with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown who have shown they could not do it anywhere else but in Pittsburgh with that type of coach, player's coach, and a, a figure that, that he's tra- also trying to get better every year. He yeah. re, re indents himself almost every year. He's a def- he, known as a defensive coach, and we've done nothing but set records on offense since he's been here. So with our receivers just being insane coming across the board, no matter who we're picking them up or where we get them in the draft, yeah. they're successful and they're contributing. I mean, this is just a really interesting to see him this way. And I've always kind of seen him as, as this generation's Lombardi. He, and that is in the sense that he's just so damn quotable that <laughs> years from now, after he retires, you're going to see like pictures of Tomlin on the walls and gyms around the nation and in coaches locker rooms and high school and college locker rooms of just inspirational quotes the standard is the standard up on the wall just Mm -hmm. he knows how to motivate players by not having to feed into the emotion to motivate them emotionally yeah yeah, and the levy on AB element is something I forgot in my little argument for Tom. That's a great point, too. I mean, yeah. look how both of them have done after leaving Pittsburgh. It's not like it was just Tomlin either keeping them there. I'm sure the assistant coaches, the owners, everybody involved probably had a piece in holding them together and keeping everything glued together. But Tomlin obviously was the leader in all that, so he deserves a ton of credit for that, too. But I think your your answer is ultimately – the right answer you know you can't compare cross air just like with players whenever we try to compare players across airs it's super hard to do but you know me being biased i'll take tomlin in that discussion but one interesting aspect there's seven wins apart yeah and tomlin can tie 
Cowards record a year earlier if he wins out this year. So if he's nice. undefeated, yeah, he's probably the best coach. And I'd, I'd have to re-switch too and probably say he's probably the best coach. If he can finish off an undefeated season, he might even get it over Noel for me. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just something that is insane. And I, I just think it's impossible to do is to go undefeated. Yeah. And still not sure if we're going to go undefeated. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I think we'll have another question coming up on that. Black and Gold Bleeder wants to know, with Derek Watt out so many games and now – Still invisible. Why do we do this? If we're going to use a fullback at times, a lead blocker, and it's part of our offensive game plans, why don't we have a viable backup or at least somebody else trained to do the job in the pinch? Um, so we do have backup fullbacks on this team. We actually have two of them. We have uh, Henry Mondu, who came in and showed he can do it, and <laughs> he can Mondu it. And hey. we, also, we also have uh, Trey Edmonds. Uh, problem is right now is you're having a lot of nagging injuries with both Watt and Edmonds that is causing the problems with the ability to get that fullback position rolling on game day. And that happened last year, all year when Rosie Nix was injured the entire season. Uh So for me, it's more of a health standpoint, why it's not more integral within our offensive attack in the running game. But I see that increasing and getting better as the health improves in these players coming down the stretch. And the other aspect of that is with a Lulu being out, then Mondu was required to play more snaps on defense. So that yeah. same deal, he wasn't really available either when they needed him. So, yeah, it's a it's a problem, man. Derek Watt so far has obviously not been what Steelers fans had hoped to see on really any level. He's been okay on special teams. I've seen him definitely making some plays on special teams. But overall, not what they paid for or what they hoped for. Two, I, I don't want to call him a bust, but he is busting at least. <laughs> Now we got Drink Iron City, who we always usually end up with here at the end of the show. He always has great questions for us. So thank you, DIC. We're looking forward to answering some of these. So first one he wants to know is our whole team is focused not just on the field, but off the field as well. In a percentage form, how big is the chance that COVID-19 will derail their season through no cause of their own? Um, I'll start off first because, you know, I like taking the health stuff. Yeah. So for me, I'd say Steelers are doing everything right right now for COVID-19. I don't think that they are going to be the reason why they're, if the season would stop early, that it would be the Steelers' fault. It would be another team's fault. So that would be the way I'd handle that. And I'd say for a percentage for the entire – I mean, we're going through a big spike right now. So if we can make it through this spike and still have football in the next three, four weeks – we're going to make it through the entire season. So right now I'd say it's probably a solid 80% that we're going to be able to finish the season. Yeah. I, uh, I would go even higher or however he phrased the quote, what, what, what percentage, percentage chance, chance that it gets derailed? I think super low. I mean, yeah. 5%. Well, 80% of the season continues to right. so 20% that it would derail. Yeah, yeah, so you're at right. 5%. That's great. So 5% for Hunter, 20% for me. I, you know, I'm just being a pragmatist going through the biggest, uh, <laughs> portion of COVID for the country that we've had to date well the biggest reason for me really being that you got to think to derail their whole season you would have to derail these next they they could maybe lose out and still make the playoffs at this point like like it would take a big COVID mistake to derail this season for them it's almost (laughs) impossible at this point social media has tamed way down since AB is gone who currently (laughs) is the biggest user and has been 
disruptive or not disruptive within the team? And I'll let you start it because you're our social media guru. Yeah, I don't think anybody's disruptive, man, to be honest. They all use it, though. I mean, you see Juju, Bud Dupree, Juju, Claypool, Steven Nelson, low-key, hilarious on on social media and actually really inspiring at times, too. The dude has a great mentality. But I saw uh, Bud Dupree posted like a – not a meme, but a jokey post of when he was hitting Joe Burrow and it looked like he was hugging him. Yeah. And the caption was just like, I love you or something like that. (laughs) Just making a joke about it. And then – Oh, that's great. Then Steven Nelson commented, that that boy trash or something like that. So that was probably the most disruptive thing that I've seen on social all year. But – yeah. But it's funny because you'll see the Steelers, somebody will post something on social and then like everybody on the team will comment. Just another yes. another example of them being a team and just loving each other's stuff and laughing with each other, having some fun, man. It's social media, I think. Yeah. And I'll go back and even defend, you know, AB and, and the people who were disruptive with social. I never think it's that big of a deal. I think media yeah. and fans media. make make it a bigger deal than it actually is. Yeah. And I will just add that Zach Banner is another great person to follow, even yeah. though he's not – on the team anymore and um vince williams great i'll I'll be taking that question and one more question um they have great social media as well last question from drink iron city yes or no undefeated season no no No. i'll say no too but here's my caveat i think mike tomlin if we are 14 and 0 and we have the one seed locked up he will start resting players and we might drop a game because of it and that would drive Steeler Nation to go absolutely insane, yeah. even though from a coaching perspective, it is the exact right thing to do. Yeah, no, agreed. And that's exactly why I say no. Oh, well, two reasons. That being the primary reason. The second reason being, as we said, it's an anomaly to even get to 9-0. and So simply the, the odds of just something happening and dropping a game are just high. The, the odds of going 16-0 and and then eventually 19-0 and are just incredibly unrealistic. So it's just, I I just say no for no other reason than that's not a smart bet. (laughs) And we've got a question here on Twitter from Ian Sukia. Who do you think is the most underrated player on our defense? It probably used to be Vince Williams, but now it's Tyson Alulu, I would say. People kind of know who Vince is, but now I would definitely go with Alulu. And I would have said cam sutton until his past three weeks now everybody knows who he is that's kind of when i was going through everybody i'm like well kind of everybody knows about everybody now like nobody's underrated anymore like we understand what these guys can do i could go with steven nelson too honestly yes and and you still go with edmonds as well just because he's finally starting to put it together guys he's really doing well and still not really getting the notoriety that he deserves so I'm, I really like what I'm seeing out of Edmonds because I'm really hard on the safeties. It's a position I used to play as well, and I watched that a lot. And, I was, of course, I was really hard on Mitchell. But what Edmonds is doing with Minka, this is like Polamalu Clark stuff we're starting to see now. So I'm, it's – especially since they, you know, it took two months to get into it and ready, and now they're hitting their stride, and they're going to get even better as this season progresses. So that's something that I just can't wait to see you know, continue on. So do we have any questions then from Facebook? We do for sure. So Excellent. we got, we got Anthony chiming in with, Anthony! A really good one. I think you'll like this one. <laughs> okay. Could this be Ben's MVP season due to the fact that the sacks seem to be down and that the interceptions are dramatically lower than normal. So Ben for MVP striker, what do you think? When you take the term most valuable player, you have to state what they are to that team and how you would project that team being without them. 
we already know what the team is without him. They're at best an eight and eight team where the top quarterback only got five wins. Right. So for Ben being undefeated nine and oh, his first game back, I, I know, you know, I think for me, I think he's more of a lock for comeback player of the year than for defense than for MVP. And the issue is though, like, I don't understand why people are saying, well, Alex Smith, look at what he almost died on the field. He needed 17 surgeries. I'm like, Ben had three of his five elbow tendons replaced. That is a career ender for anybody yeah. else playing quarterback. No, that's never happened before ever. And for him to come back, be undefeated, have 22 touchdowns, four interceptions, still get zero love for it, plus a continuation, which is unfortunately, Anthony, one of the worst parts of media bias against Ben Roethlisberger. He has never once received a single vote from any writer for MVP to be an MVP candidate. Yeah. So, unfortunately, yeah, I, I don't see, you know, Ben being MVP, but, you know, Alex Smith being an 0-3 quarterback and having one touchdown and three interceptions, and you're calling him comeback player of the year over Ben Roethlisberger, you're fucking high. I fucking <laughs> can't stand that. And I'm fucking swearing this time. I never fucking swear. And He's that's how, over it. That's how worked up I am about that. Strikers had enough. That's absolutely asinine. It's a Mark Caboli, you got to get your vote out there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bouchette, come on. We need these votes. <laughs> I am in on the comeback player of the year discussion. Absolutely. Look, I get Alex Smith. The story's incredible. Taking absolutely nothing away from him. But the play on the field is there is literally no comparison between what Ben's doing for the Steelers and what Alex Smith is doing for the football team. So, nah, you can't even and – and I feel like the way national media is going for like you're saying, Ben never getting the respect. It seems like Alex Smith has more momentum to win that award, which is just crazy to me. But It's insane. Prepare for that. Yeah. yeah. But the MVP, the big problem that I'm going to have with that – Unless Ben does go 16-0 and and they, you know, he doesn't rest and actually wins, goes 16-0, and I feel like you have to give it to him at that point. Yeah. But Kyler Murray is – he's on oh. pace. He's on pace for like 40 touchdown passes <laughs> and 20 touchdown runs. I mean, he's having a year that like if you thought Lamar Jackson last year was special, he's yeah. one up in that. So and that's – Yeah. It's going to be hard to beat. And the Cardinals are overachieving a bit from what people expected. So if they sneak yep. into the playoffs or even win their division, which I think they're leading right now, yeah. if they win the division tie, and, right? and three-way tie to do this, yeah. yeah. Three-way tie with, Maybe. with Seattle, that's Rams, and the Rams, Cardinals, six and three. That's, that's insane. And, that's and I've always been a big – I love Kyler Murray. I love yeah. Kyler Murray in all the same ways that I hate Lamar Jackson. Yeah. He can throw the football. He is an accurate passer. And when he runs – he is smart about it. He just doesn't bail on the play because it's the only reason why he runs. He sees something down the field, yeah. utilizes it against the coverage. and he, So usually when you're seeing him from 25 yards in, running into the end zone, he's untouched. Yeah, He's yeah. untouched because he saw the, the way that the, the defense lined up and he knows, like, I'm going to get here and nobody's going to touch me. Yeah. He's doing it smart. And then feel free to throw, you know, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen are still all in the discussion. I mean, there's a huge – there's going to be a log jam for the MVP discussion, but to, yeah. to your question on Ben in general, I mean, this is for me the best season I've ever seen him have period. Yeah, and I know maybe statistically he's been a little better here and there little marginally when yeah. you factor in the way he's managing the games and winning games, this is his best, man. This is his best performance ever. 
And Ian, thanks for correcting me on Twitter. That's right. He's only started one game, though Alex Smith has played in three games and got the majority of the snaps in three of those games. Ian just wants to know quickly, who's the best team in the NFC in your opinion? Man, it would have been the Seahawks for an easy call a couple weeks ago, but they're yeah. kind of falling off the map a little bit. I would get, I, like we just talked about that NFC West cluster in general is a little intimidating. Yeah. I think any one of those three teams can be the team on a given day. So I would just kind of – I'll punt on the question a little bit and just say one of those NFC West teams for me. Scare me way more than anybody else. Mine's still going to be the other black and gold team on the NFC. That's New Orleans. And ah. unfortunately with that big rib injury to – Breeze, I mean, that's going to affect him for a month. It's going to yeah. be four weeks of him just being an absolute pain for being able to breathe and everything else. I mean, four to six weeks for that rib injury to heal. That's, and he's going to be wearing a flak jacket the entire rest of the season. So, you know, that's the only downside. Smart kudos move for them. And this is the biggest thing. Picking up Jameis Winston, that, that was the guy I wanted. For a million bucks to be a backup, a 30 touchdown player, yeah, he threw 30 interceptions, but man, you <laughs> yeah. don't teach a young quarterback to throw 30 touchdowns. You, you can get the interceptions out of him. Let me Dude, look he, at, had, he, he, had had, he had less interceptions than Peyton Manning at that point of his career right, as right. a rookie or as a young player. And he got LASIK surgery, which I feel like people do not talk about enough. <laughs> yeah. Like, Dude, how is that not a bigger story? He wait, like <laughs> it blows my mind. It's like wait, 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 wait. The guy couldn't see. Like wait, <laughs> the guy couldn't see this whole time. That seems like a big deal for a quarterback. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah. So next question on Facebook. We had is this TJ Watts here to win MVP? And I assume you just mean defensive defensive player, player here. Um, I, I thought he was robbed last year. I, I think I, I think he just the an interesting too thing this year too is usually they look at like one stat that jumps off the page yeah and that's the guy that they give the mvp to so somebody gets like 18 sacks mvp somebody gets like 12 interceptions mvp like a freaking idiot over there and yeah in in new england last year but like his numbers are all over the board interceptions forced fumbles fumbles recovery sacks i mean he is just pat now passes defense i mean he's jumping up and making plays at the line of scrimmage like his brother i mean yeah. this guy is just always no matter what it is you don't know what big play it's going to be TFL, it doesn't matter. It's just going to be – he's going to make three, four big plays a game. Yeah. And that is what makes the difference to me for a defensive player of the year. It's not a guy that just racks up in stats in one category, but a guy that can find a way to make a big play no matter what, in what situation, and in big situations. That big sack on freaking fourth down last week yeah. against uh, – that should have been the game ender, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. It's still an excellent, huge, huge, huge play. And yeah, he, I mean – He does them. I think we can all agree at this point that once again, he's going to be in the top three of the discussion for sure. It's just a matter of who gets the eventual nod, whether that's Aaron Donald or TJ Watt or Miles Garrett, whichever guy it is. There's no doubt that TJ is absolutely in that discussion and deserving of it. But one thing I think is interesting, I just looked up the odds on defensive player of the year. Aaron Donald is leading right now at plus 200. TJ Watt is plus 400. Miles Garrett plus 500, oh, Khalil Mack. But right after Khalil Mack, in fifth and sixth place are both Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt, and, wow. then, and then Minka is ninth. So the, wow. the Steelers, wow. Steelers have four <laughs> players in the top ten of oh. the odds for winning defensive player of the year. So that's pretty cool. But, yeah. And then, unfortunately, that's going to probably cannibalize the chances of somebody to win it because there's so many right. good players on this defense. But. It's like the, the 70s teams in the Hall of Fame, like Donnie Shell taking forever to get to the Hall of Fame. They're like, ah, come on. We got to draw the line somewhere. 
after Elsie Greenwood, in my opinion. Next question on Facebook. Yeah, dude, Elsie's a fantastic. From Ryan Stansberry. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. What's hey, up, Ryan. Dude? Who do you want to see in the Super Bowl? Us versus who? Uh, that's... I just want to see us in the Super Bowl. I, <laughs> that's, that's all I care about is making it. It's yeah. us against whoever makes it. That, that's <laughs> This year, I think no matter what, I think this is the AFC's year. I don't think the NFC is as good this year. Case in point, the AFC East, which is the AFC – or the NFC East, which is the NFC least. Mm. I mean, I think they're still at like – maybe six total wins in that division. I mean, it's just absolute insane. And I keep, I'm an Eagles fan. I like the Eagles. I found myself rooting a little bit for the giants at the end of that game, just because I'm like, well, I I want the division leader to have the worst record ever. Yeah. Yeah. So So, uh, well, that being a Steelers fan, that's the answer, right? The team that you want to see in the Super Bowl would be whoever wins the NFC East somehow goes on. (laughs) Somehow yeah. goes on a miracle playoff run and makes it. But yeah. I, w- I would say I feel like the matchup with the Cardinals is actually a good matchup for the Steelers to win. Yeah. So I, th- I, would, I would not want to see the Seahawks, and I would not want to see the Rams because the Rams' defensive front can make things just too dangerous. I, I, I'm not afraid of the Seahawks that. anymore. Their, their defense is atrocious this year. It is. That, it that's is, why they're losing. Like, they were letting up 30 points a game back when they were winning their first five, yeah, six games. And it is atrocious. They're, they're horrible. So I'm, no I'm not afraid of their defense at all. I just don't want to get in a shootout versus Russell Wilson. That's just the level of respect I have with Russell yeah. Wilson. You know, I, I, yeah, I just – can't count that guy out with his experience and everything. I wouldn't mind seeing the Packers. How about a little revenge for the for the last Super Bowl appearance? I like that. That would be nice. I like that narrative because yeah. I think the Steelers would stomp them this time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Is that all the questions on Facebook? That's yep. That's what we got. Awesome. Thank you, Facebook. Thank you, Twitter. Thank you, Steeler Nation, for making this fun as hell because we love asking questions and uh, answering questions. And, you know, you never know what's, how it's going to shake out, but I hope if we just keep on winning, that's all that matters. And yeah. right now we're the only team in the league and the only fan base in the league that can say, we're undefeated, Steeler Nation. <laughs> Feels good, man. Feels good. Uh, hey, awesome. Thank you so much for coming, as always, Hunter. Guys, got to follow Hunter on Twitter, on Instagram, strong game on both social media sites. <laughs> at Hunter A. Homestek. That's at H-U-N-T-E-R-A-H-O-M-I-S-T-E-K. We'll see you next week, 2 o'clock, right here on Twitter Live, right here on Facebook Live. You call us out here. You have a great week, man, and I'll be talking to you soon. I know we're texting back and forth during games anyway. Hell, yeah, let's do it, man. We'll see you next week. Thanks for all the questions again, guys. It was an awesome time as always. Let's go 10-0 next week when we come here. It'll be a good feeling. <laughs> awesome. Here we go. <laughs> Later, guys later man visit our title sponsor total sports enterprises on twitter to be part of their signed merch giveaway win that deontay johnson jersey guys shoot on over to to, at total sports ent and then check out their website www.tseshop.com they've got a pre-sign for juju smith schuster signing coming up so that's something go on their website get that information www.tseshop.com you two can get great unique gifts on the steelernation.com gear page like this champions shirt i am wearing right now put this on because we are currently the champions and the fan base being undefeated so go on over to steelernation.com click on the gear page buy one of these great t-shirts support us and show your pride here at these virtual tailgates SteelerNation.com is the best site for fast, unique Steelers content on the internet. 
Click the podcast button to listen to one of our many interviews or click the forum button for the best football discussion on the web. Subscribe to the SteelerNation.com YouTube channel to watch these podcasts here as a vidcast, as a recast, and also be the first in the video uploads. www.youtube.com backslash C backslash SteelerNation. Tweet us at SteelerNation. Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. Follow the SteelerNation podcast on Twitter at underscore SN podcast or Instagram at SteelerNationPodcast. Or follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at SNStriker. Thanks for joining us for the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Striker, with Hunter Homestek, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers!